Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So I want to talk to you tonight about sacred sacrifices. And I looked up the word sacrifices in the Hebrew language in which the Old Testament was written. And the word sacrifice simply means offering. And so whenever you see those words, it's, they're kind of interchangeable. So one of the things about offerings and sacrifices is that God gave them to us and to his people in the Old Testament so that we could draw near to him. He did it for us so that we wouldn't be captivated by things, that our life wouldn't be swallowed up with money and the things that money can buy, but that we would always put him first because he had our best at heart. He is our father. He's our creator. He knows what we need. And one of the things about our God is he's holy, which means sacred or pure. And he is so pure and holy, and unfortunately, we human beings are not that way. We are unholy. We are not sacred. We are sinners, to use a Bible word. But God, in his grace and love, even in the Old Testament, made a way for his people to be able to approach him. So I want to talk to you tonight in, about approaching God as it relates to uh, these sacred sacrifices. So you'll see up on the screen, approaching a holy God. And the way the Lord worked this was that he had a sacrificial system in the Old Testament that would allow unholy people to approach a holy God, but they were so unholy that they would die in his presence, actually. And so he said, instead of these precious people that I love, my people, dying because I want to be in their midst, I'm going to have them give a sacrifice or an offering that an innocent animal can take their place, a pure spotless animal, unblemished, will take their place and die in their place by giving that animal as a sacrifice, then my people will know how much it cost for that animal to take their sins and that their sins were worthy of death, but I allowed this animal to take their place so that they could have fellowship with me and approach unto me. What a God, right? What a God. Thank you, Lord. And when we read about five different offerings in the Bible or sacrifices that were made, and these that I'm going to share with you tonight are found in the book of Leviticus. How many of you read the book of Leviticus? I don't blame you if you didn't. Not very many. It doesn't take long to get stuck, and especially the first seven chapters, which I'm going to be preaching about tonight. And I'll try not to make it boring, and it won't be, I promise you. (laughs) But it's all about five different regular sacrifices. I'm not including the festivals in which sacrifices were made. I'm not including the new moons or other special days where sacrifices were made. Just these five sacrifices to help us all understand about why we are involved in giving to God so much even in the New Covenant. And let me tell you this. If you wanted to be a Hebrew worshiper, 
the worshiper of the one true God back in the days of the Old Testament, almost your whole religious experience had to do with sacrificing and giving offerings. It's like crazy. You say, hey, come on, you want to be a part of us? Well, guess what? It's going to cost you. <laughs> you know, 10% of your income to start with, and then all these offerings and stuff on top of it. And maybe some people said, hey, there's no way. That's way too much. But for those that understood what God did for them, this band of slaves that was in Egypt and was in bondage for 400 years and how he brought them out of Egypt and into a promised land, they said no amount is too much. And they gladly gave these offerings and sacrifices because this God who was their deliverer said, I want to dwell with you in a tabernacle. And inside that tabernacle, my holy presence is going to come down. And so I need my people to be holy or sacred because I am holy. So he says to Moses, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. That's in Leviticus. Now you say, well, yeah, but that's for back then. But you know what? It's also for now because in the New Testament, the apostle Peter says, in his first epistle, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. So in both the Old and New Testaments, God is the same and he is requiring that of us. And what I'd like to do to you, with you tonight is take you on an imaginary tour, which is part of this course that I'm building um, called Grounded. And it'll be coming in the next few months if you'll pray for me. <laughs> and uh, I want to give you a little taste of it tonight. But I want you to imagine yourself there in the Old Testament after God had brought you out of bondage and brought you into the promised land. And he is allowing you to camp with two million people <laughs> right around Mount Sinai for two years. Can you imagine? How many of you ever like to go camping? You ever go to a campground? Feels a little crowded sometimes, you know, a little busy. Uh, sometimes a little smelly. How would you like to be with two million people out in the desert in discipleship training? He was training these slaves what he expected of them, how to live. He gave them his laws, and he showed them how to enter into this tabernacle that he had for them. So I want you to imagine entering into this tabernacle courtyard. I want you to imagine the sights, the sounds, the smells of worship in the Old Testament. Because as soon as you come through the gates, this is the first thing you're going to see. The altar of sacrifice where all the offerings were brought. And upon this altar, a lot of things were burned. A lot of blood and guts. There was a lot of noise of squealing animals getting their throats cut. There was a lot of smell of smoke, if you can imagine this. And there was a lot of people. You talk about two million people bringing their sacrifices all the time for all their sins? Yeah. 
They're bringing goats. They're bringing sheep. They're bringing pigeons. They're bringing grain. They're bringing bread. They're bringing all this other stuff. And a lot of it's getting burned up, and it's pretty smelly around here. And you're standing in line, and I don't know where the restrooms were in the tabernacle. I don't see them in there in the plan. If you look at the plan of the tabernacle, we're going to take a look at where the bronze altar of sacrifice is in the next slide. Because at the courtyard entry, when you enter in those gates, the first thing you're going to see is this seven and a half foot square bronze altar where they would burn things on, and then the blood would flow through the grate into the bottom, and they would collect the blood and use it as part of the rituals that they performed. And it was about four and a half feet high. And there was only one gate to enter in, and you had to enter in that one gate in order to come into that tabernacle courtyard, and that's the first thing you would see would be this bronze altar. And on this bronze altar, there were different tabernacle sacrifices that would be made. So I'm going to ask my lovely assistant, Jan, Jana White, <laughs> no, Jana Gosson, to come up here, and she's going to help me uh, read a few scriptures. And I want to share with you these five sacrifices, they're going to put up on the screen a table with these five sacrifices on there right now. Thank you. And if you'll notice on the left-hand side there, the first three are voluntary sacrifices. In other words, these are optional. You don't have to give them, but if you're going to approach God, this is what he wants you to bring as an option. The last two I'm going to share with you are required sacrifices. You must bring them. There's no options. It's involuntary. You're required to do it. So um, on the left side of this chart, it's going to talk about the Old Testament sacrifice, and on the right side, it's going to talk about the New Testament significance of that sacrifice. And one of the things that a lot of us don't understand reading the Bible that when we read about things that are done and said in the New Testament, especially regarding Jesus Christ and Christians, that they're referring to things back in the Old Testament. Because a lot of the first believers were Jewish people, and they lived this way. Even the Gentile or non-Jewish people knew this is the way that the Jews worshipped, and they saw the temple, and they saw all this smoke and fire and blood, and they, they didn't understand everything about it, but they knew it was all part of their Jewish religion. But one of the main things to understand about any sacrifice, whether it was mandatory or whether it was voluntary, was that it had to be only the best. It had to be blemished. God requires and will accept only our best. So one of the things about being a believer, whether Old Testament or New, is that you have to understand that your God is the best. And he accepts only the best. That's because he's king and he's Lord. And we would only bring to a king that which he is worthy of, right? So the first offering they talk about in Leviticus 1, and I'm not going to read you all the Levitical scriptures you can take a picture of this chart after it's filled in, and you can look them up yourself later. But I want to tell you the highlights of what's happening here. Um, in Leviticus chapter 1, 
they talk, first of all, about a burnt offering. That's the most common sacrifice. And did you know it was made twice a day? So it was very common to bring what is called a burnt offering. And you say, oh, yeah, I know what that is. When I try to roast marshmallows at the campfire, that's what it ends up like, a burnt offering. Uh, in fact, when I was, before I got married um, and was cooking my own food, I managed to make a few burnt offerings myself. How many of you like barbecue? <laughs> well, you're going to read about a lot of barbecue tonight. That's the way they did offerings. So this burnt offering was one that was burning up your sacrifice in total. There's nothing left. There's nothing but cinders and ash and smoke going up, and it's totally gone. And guess what? You're bringing it as a dedication of yourself to God as he is allowing you to be at one with him. How many of you have heard of the word atonement? If you look at the way it's spelled, it's at one It means you were separated from God, but God brought you together with him. And that's what these sacrifices did. You were separated by your sin, and God let you shed blood instead of your own blood, the blood of this innocent animal, to take the place of you dying for your sins, and then you would be brought at one with God. See, he wants to be at one with us. Some people say, oh, that's so horrible, all this blood, and, and I can't believe God would do that. Well, yes, it was expensive. Yes, animals are valuable. And that was part of the whole process for those worshipers that one of the first things they had to understand when they approached God was that it cost a whole lot for you to be able to do this. And so the people would have to put their hands on the heads of the animal sacrifice and understand you're identifying with them. They're taking your place, even though they're innocent and they're spotless and it costs a lot. They are going to die for you, and they're going to shed their blood instead of yours so that you can approach to God. So, Jan, would you read Matthew 20, 28 regarding what Jesus did for us? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, to serve, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the whole reason Jesus came was to give himself totally, just like that sacrificial animal. He was the sacrifice that was made to pay for your sins and my sins to make us at one with God. And therefore, because of what he did for us, we read what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Wow. Doesn't it make a difference when you read that scripture now to understand what the sacrifice was? You and I, we don't bring animals, thank God, to church, especially when we do wrong. You know, can you imagine you say, oh, brother so-and-so, I wonder what he did. Look at the yeah. size of that cow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
And he was here yesterday. I don't know what this guy's doing, but, you know. You know, it was pretty, you know, they were, can you imagine those priests and they were heaving up that stuff on the altar. Those guys were ripped. You talk about Planet Fitness. <laughs> Come on, man. They were, they were in good shape, right? But that's, you and I now don't bring animals as sacrifices because Jesus made the sacrifice. Thank God, right, for that? So that was a voluntary thing. You can voluntarily give your whole self to God. And I see some of you doing that. When we're worshiping tonight, I looked over, and some people were just, just loving God with arms wide open and hearts wide open and tears streaming down their face. What is that? That's, I'm yours, Lord. I'm giving my body a living sacrifice to you. It's not mine. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. And I'm glorifying God in my body. Thank you, Lord. So the next one was a grain offering. It was made of fine flowers. When I say it, it could be in the form of a cake. So I'm sure some old granny brought a nice cake for the priest. And the priest would live off of this, not the burnt offering. That was gone. But they could live off the grain offerings that were brought because they could be bread or they could be cake or they could be fine flour. But all of them were given two times a day, these sacrifices, and every one of them was salted with salt, and some of them had oil, olive oil, and frankincense in it, and all of that. It was, hmm, tastes like going to an Italian restaurant, <laughs> you know what I mean, with a little salt on the side. You know, it was just, it was good eating. And they were actually able to just take a handful. The priest would take a handful and throw it in the fire, and burn it up, and the rest he would get to keep. And that would be their bread. Praise God. That's why when you read in 1 Corinthians 9 about, don't you understand that they which serve the altar partake of the altar? And he was referring to how that we support New Testament ministries. He says, therefore, God has ordained that they which preach the gospel live of the gospel. That's why it is proper and right for ministers to partake of the offerings that are given to support them, just as they did in the Old Testament, right? Isn't that wonderful? So the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, that we have a special thing that Jesus did for us. What is it, hon? But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, so this was a thankful time. You're, this, remember, it's a voluntary offering. And because of what Jesus did, and he gives us victory over sin, death, and we get to, and the devil, right? We have complete victory in him. It is something to be thankful for. And we voluntarily give our thanks to God. And I love what the book of Hebrews says. It really ties it in. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. Listen to this one. Therefore... By him, let us continue, By Jesus. continually offer the sacrifice of praise Hold on. to God. Con how often? Continually. Continually. What are we offering sacrifice as a sacrifice? Of praise. That is. Praise the Lord. The fruit of our lips. 
giving thanks to his name. Thank you, Jesus. But do not forget to do to <laughs> do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well Wow, there's some pleased. more sacrifices. You share. You do good things. That's why we do good things around here, right? Doing good. Let your light shine for, before men that they may see your good works and glorify their fa your Father in heaven. Yes. That's why we do community service. That's why we help out one another. That's why we have benevolence. That's why we share with each other. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes. We're sacrificing. God is well pleased when he sees that. Just like you would be as a father or mother if you saw your child sharing and doing good. God looks at that and he says, what a great sacrifice. And you know, I used to wonder about all these crazy old timers, <laughs> Pastor Alex, they go around going, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you. All the time, you know, almost anything that's going on. Praise the Lord. Good or bad. Thank you, Jesus. And everything give thanks, right? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, concerning you. For everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. What is that? Sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. The fruit of my lips, giving thanks to his name. Can you say thank you, Jesus, right now? Come on. Thank you, Lord. Get in the habit of saying thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everything might not be wonderful right now, but thank you, Lord, because you're on the throne. You're going to work it out. All things work together for my good because I'm called according to your purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! All right. The next voluntary offering or sacrifice, and by the way, I, lo I looked up that word I told you earlier, that the word sacrifice means offering. So they're kind of interchangeable here. So this sacrifice was called a peace offering. And this one, I love this one. And some of the old worship services we used to do years ago, I don't know if some of you old timers ever did this, did the worship leader ever get up and say, let's give a wave offering to the Lord? You ever hear that one? All right, what they were talking about, even though they usually didn't explain it, was <laughs> this Old Testament sacrifice that these people would bring their meat or their cow or their lamb or whatever they were bringing, and they would chop it up in a certain portion. The priest would heave up in the air. That's why these guys were ripped. I'm telling you, these priests, man. You're a royal priesthood, right? Oh, oh, oh. Heaving up part of it, and then the, the worshiper would take another part of it, and he would wave it before the Lord. And you know what they were doing? They were saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I have peace with you because I gave my sacrifice of this animal and he took my place. Thank you for all the good things that you've given me, including this animal to sacrifice to you. Thank you, Jesus. And that was a thank offering was another word for it. And they would wave it before the Lord. Can you do that right now? Pretend you have a big hunk of meat in your hand. You're just saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, yeah. Peace through shed blood. That's what you and I have. Wow. Wow. Jan, Colossians 1.20. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, 
by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Ooh. What a sacrifice that brought you and I close to God and gave us peace with God. You were alienated and enemies, just so you know. But he made peace. He broke down the middle wall of partition between us as Jew and Gentile, between him as God and we as humans through his blood. What a God. Let's praise him for his blood. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 1 John 1 talks us about the fellowship that we have uh, in this peace offering because what they would do after they did this, they would sit down and have a meal with the priests, and they would eat the offering together, have like a picnic, right? So here's what the New Testament says about fellowship. In a lot of places, they continued steadfastly in fellowship, the Scripture says, on the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit first fell. And there's a lot of talk about that throughout the New Testament. But here's one of my favorites in 1 John 1, 3 through 7. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This right. is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, mm. his son, cleanses us from all sin. Woo! Come on. Come on. You enjoying the fellowship of God's family? Thank you, Jesus. All right. These are the, the voluntary offerings, but here's one that is required. It is the sin offering. It is to receive forgiveness from God. Listen carefully and, and even read, if you please, in chapter 4 of Leviticus that it was for those who broke the laws of God unintentionally. You don't realize that you're doing it. But you know what, everybody? If the law is 35 miles an hour in town and you go ripping through there at 60, the officer doesn't care if you say, I'm sorry, officer, I didn't know. You still broke the law, and you're still going to get a ticket. <laughs> And so it was for these kind of situations that people ignorantly broke the law of God. And we all do that. Sometimes we, you know, we call it sins of omission. Sins of commission might be you know you did something wrong and you're going to do it anyway. Others are omission where you just don't realize you're doing wrong. And I'm telling you what, the more I read the Bible when I was a newbie, I'm going, oh, my. There's a whole lot of stuff I was doing wrong that I thought was okay. Oh, Lord, you know, forgive me. I need forgiveness. Wow. Anybody here need forgiveness or is it just me? Mm. There's so many things 
And they, he lists some of them in there, but um, it was for personal purification. You know, we have to do that. We have to, we have to bring our sins to God whether we know them or not and just stay humble before him and know how fallible we are as sinful creatures and how much we need him. And that was another burnt offering, only this time it wasn't all burned up. It was actually cooked, and they were able to eat it. And the priest was able to live off of it, actually. And the people would be thankful to God for them dying to take away their unintentional sins instead of them having to die for their sins. So in John 136, when you read what John the Baptist said, it might have meant a whole lot to you as a Jewish person to hear these words coming out of his mouth when Jesus came walking up. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Wow. Now, can you imagine if you were a Jewish person hearing that, that, wait a minute, all these animals I brought and all this blood, thousands of gallons of blood in my lifetime that I brought because of my unintentional and intentional sins, this guy is going to take it all my sins away and I don't have to go through all this? Smoky, bloody, smelly mess anymore with all of these people that I'm camping with? <laughs> what a God. So in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, is continuing on from that passage Jan just read. What does it say about us dealing with our sins now? instead of bringing animals on. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Now, hold on. He that confesses and forsakes his sin shall have mercy, right? He that covers his sins doesn't prosper. This is Old Testament quote. But he that confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. You want mercy from God? You don't get it from hiding, everybody. You get it from acknowledging, confessing. Right. And that's why some churches do what they call confession, but you don't have to do it to a, a, a human priest. You do it to God. You confess your sins before God. And the word confess there means acknowledge. You acknowledge and you agree with God, I did wrong. Isn't that hard to do or is it just me? Don't you hate to say you're wrong? Well, maybe if you've been around as long as I have and still managed by the grace of God to be here, you would understand why I say, I've been wrong so many times now, just another one's not going to matter. <laughs> I'm quick to say I am wrong and God is right. Let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah. He's right. I'm wrong. What else is new? Thank God for your mercy. I acknowledge it. I confess yes. it. Yes. And if we confess our sins, what happens? If we do. We, if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is faithful. And just. And just. To forgive our sins. To forgive our sins. And to cleanse us. And to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. Some unrighteousness. All. Most of it. All. 99.5% of it. All. All unrighteousness. You want to get your life cleaned up? Bring an offering. 
Bring an offering. Bring that sin offering of confession and receive the forgiveness and the cleansing that God can give you. That's how he changes us, brothers and sisters, from what we were to what we're going to be and what we are. Whoa, what a God. All right. The last but not least, in fact, the most important of the regular sacrifices. In fact, the Scripture says in the book of Leviticus, this is, all of them were holy and sacred, but this one is called, and I quote, most holy, unquote. This is the most holy sacrifice. And what is it for? It's a trespass offering. How many of you have heard of trespass? Uh-huh. No trespassing, the sign says. That means you don't go there. <laughs> yeah. How many of us have gone there when we knew we shouldn't have gone there? Right. Yeah. You, tre- you and I trespass, right? So with this trespass, sometimes we trespass against God, and sometimes we trespass against people, and sometimes it's both. We're trespassing against God and people. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So this had to do with reconciliation and forgiveness with God. It's all kind of connected. But one of the things about the trespass offering was is that it required the person who's confessing and telling the priest of his sins to go and make it right and pay damages plus interest. Hmm. Remember when Zacchaeus was spending some time with Jesus and he comes down from the tree? He was a tax collector, right? And he says, Lord, I forgive, and if I've taken anything uh, wrongly from people, I'm going to restore them fourfold. What was that? He was obeying the law as a good Jewish boy. He said, yes, sir, I realize I've been stealing from my people. I'm going to pay them back four times. you got to pay back, y'all. you got to make it right. So what did Jesus say about this in Matthew 5, hon? 23 and 24? He was talking about when they come to bring their gifts to the altar. How many of you, when you come to church, you want to bring your gifts of praise and sacrifices of praise and all of that? Well, This may sound a little harsh to hear, but listen to what Jesus says about it. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Wow. So you see, this whole thing about forgive as Christ forgives or you'll be forgiven as you forgive, right? Yeah. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You're asking God to forgive you the way you forgive others. Right there, y'all. He's got you. That's why the Apostle Paul said, 
Even as Christ forgave, so forgive one another's faults. You see, a lot of us don't realize that we're actually bringing condemnation upon ourselves. And if we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven. Right? Yeah. Now, Jesus said, I didn't say that. Jesus said, forgive and you will be forgiven. For if you forgive everyone his brother their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. But if you forgive not their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. And it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. It says not imputing, right? Their yep. trespasses unto them. And has called us to have the word of reconciliation. Well, see, God is still trying to live among people. In fact, he wants to make you his temple. Yeah. He wants to live inside of you. And as such, you are going to be like him because Jesus is inside of you and he's forgiving. He's making you forgive. And because, you know, it's like if you don't forgive, it's like hurting yourself in a horrible way. So we've got to forgive and be forgiven and then be reconciled and make it right with everybody. Wow. See that? Offerings. Offerings. Our sacred sacrifice, as Jan just read, is Jesus Christ. I'm going to read you this passage as I'm getting ready to close here about Jesus. Verse 11 of chapter 9 in the book of Hebrews. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Now watch this. Jesus is the high priest. He's the tabernacle. He's all the furniture of the tabernacle. He's the sacrifice. He fulfills it all. And the book of Hebrews, if you read it all, explains that. The high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all of us, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Let's all stand. Let's offer him some thanks. Maybe you're offering a, a sin sacrifice right now. Maybe you're offering a burnt offering. Maybe you're offering a thank offering. But whatever you're offering, why don't you offer that to God right now? And understand that it's by the blood of Jesus the Lamb, that you are able to do so.
you know, in a way, sometimes I have to kind of chuckle at us, modern worshipers. We don't have to stand in a camp with two million people with blood and dirt and smoke and fire, expensive lambs and goats and bulls and all this stuff bringing to allow God to enter, to allow us to enter into his presence. Why? My goodness, it's so easy. The ushers are there with a bucket. You just put something in it or you click for recurring giving or you swipe your, your card or your text to give. What in the world? This is too easy. Right? It's kind of funny when you think about it. All that they gave. <laughs> you say, oh, I forgot. But can you imagine trying to go to the temple, there, you know, in the courtyard and say, oh, I forgot my ties today, Lord. No problem. <laughs> Lightning bolt. <laughs> well, we don't have all that in common with ancient Israelites because we live in beautiful homes, you know, and we come to nice heated and air-conditioned churches, and we've got comfy seats and all this stuff. Thank God we don't have to bring all our animals to Pastor Bobby in the, in the game. Oh, Lord. But we get to give ourselves to God in our praise and our worship because after all, all God was wanting all this time was their pure hearts. That's it. That's what all this blood was about and all this sacrifice and offering was. He wants you. He wants me to offer our hearts and our lives completely in obedient love to him and worship him as we come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.